Greetings in Jesus' name. It is good to be with you to worship tonight. As we think of reverence for God, my mind went to Isaiah chapter 57, verse 15. It says, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place. With him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. It was interesting that 11 years ago, Randy Hurst used that in our revival meetings every night. As we think of reverence, you know, as I looked at this, in fact, I preached a sermon on the fear of God. And this is the reverence for God. They're very closely related. In fact, in some translations, you can look at it and they're, they're used interchangeably. But I want, to, want us to look at reverence. Reverence is honor or respect felt or shown. A gesture of respect, such as bowing. And fear is profound reverence and awe, especially toward God. So they can be used interchangeably somewhat. And yet, as we think of reverence, we think of an outward expression of fear. Now look, first of all, what is reverence? Who is God? And who are we? We need to ask ourselves those questions. Reverence is a feeling of deep respect, love, awe, and esteem. Do we fear God? It's interesting is in the Old Testament when Mephibosheth showed reverence to David. He bowed. If you look at that, he bowed. We have that in 2 Samuel 9, 6. We also have that in Esther 3, 2, when it was talking about uh, Haman. Or Mordecai. Uh, but as we think of reverence, what does that look like in everyday life? So just a few things came to my mind. One of them was, why do you bow your head when you pray at noontime, at your meal times? Or don't you? It was interesting. Some time ago here, the last couple of weeks, we were in a restaurant. And the couple beside us held hands and prayed audibly. I don't know what denomination they were, but they obviously weren't Mennonite. They obviously had a reverence for God. When you're in a farm meeting, why do people take their hats off when they pray? That's interesting. Most any farm meeting... 
and I say farm meeting, I'm talking a uh, outdoor meeting of some kind, the hats all come off. It's showing reverence for God. We are honoring God. Praying in public places. What does it do for you? Do we fear God? It's another question we need to ask ourselves. Do we fear God? Turn to Proverbs. A number of verses here I want to read from Proverbs. Proverbs 1.7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord. The word fear here in some translations says reverential awe. The fear of the Lord. Go to chapter 2, I'll start to read verses 1 through 5. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and apply thine heart to understanding, yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest for her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then shalt thou understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Again, that word fear is reverential all. Go to chapter 3, verse 7. Be not wise in thine own eyes, fear the Lord, and depart from evil. And as we look at fear or reverence for God, it's not just a passive understanding. It will, it will motivate us to do something about it. Go to chapter 14, verses 26 and 27. In the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life to depart from the snares of death. Fear of the Lord. I want us to look at who God is who man is, and some of the implications of that. Mark already mentioned Leviticus 19. It's interesting. If you read that whole chapter, it was their instruction to do what they were to do. It says, you shall keep my Sabbaths and reverence my sanctuary. I am the Lord. We have that in verse 30. It's interesting, in, the, in, in this chapter, 16 times we have the phrase, I am the Lord. He's trying to help them understand who God was. I am the Lord. Better Romans chapter 11, verses 34 and 30. Yeah, for 34. Notice here, he's quoting here from the Old Testament, from Isaiah and Jeremiah. And he asks these questions. He says, For who hath known the mind of the Lord, or who hath been his counselor, or who hath first given to him, and it shall be recompensed unto him? For of him, and through him, and to him are all things, to whom be glory forever. Amen. Of him and to him, and through him. Who is God? 
If you were going to tell somebody who God was, what would you tell them? Well, first of all, God is the eternal one. We have that in Genesis 1.1. God always was. He always will be. He's the eternal one. Revelation 1, verse 8. I am the Alpha and Omega. The beginning and the end. Then in verses 17 and 18, it says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his right hand upon me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. He is the beginning and the end. He is the one who is in control. God had the first word, and God will have the last word. God is the creator of man. We have that in Genesis. The creator of man, the, the creator of life. Not only is he the creator of life, he is also the sustainer of life. You know, sometimes we have projects or something that we do or we make or we, you know, it's like, well, you know, you make this thing, are you going to keep it going? Maybe you're working on an engine you're trying to run, or maybe you made something you're trying to make it run. Go to Acts 17. We have Paul on Mars Hill. He's explaining to them about Jesus. Acts 17, verse 28. He says, For in him we live and move and have our being. As certain also of your own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. In him we live and move and have our being. We don't keep ourselves going. God keeps us going. When we realize who God is, we will have a proper view of ourselves. Who is God? Turn to Isaiah 6. Isaiah recognized this. Isaiah 6, verse 5, it says, Then said I, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Again, when we see who Jesus is, who God is, we will have the proper view of ourselves. Go to Leviticus 11, verses 44 and 45. It says, For I am the Lord your God. Ye shall therefore sanctify yourselves, and ye shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall ye defy yourselves with any manner of creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. For I am the Lord that bringeth you up out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. A holy God requires holy people. And we need to keep ourselves holy. We cannot do that on our own. 
We can only do it with the help of Jesus. Through the Holy Spirit. That's who God is. He dwells among us. What is man? Who is man? Genesis 2, 7 says man became a living soul. God formed man from the dust of the ground. We are dirt. You ever think of that? We are dirt. But we're not trash. There's a difference. We are God's creation. We are the crown of his creation. Go to Psalm 8. Psalm 8, study verse 3. It says, When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? And the son of man that thou visitest him, for thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou put all things under his, hast put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passes through the paths of the sea. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. You know, when I get up on Skyline Drive and you look down over the valley, that's what I think of. What is man? What is man? Man was created for fellowship with God. And of all God's creation, only human beings can show reverence to God. Yes, the birds sing, and probably other creatures do the same. But only man can show reverence to God. Reverence is commanded. We have that in Leviticus 19. It's commanded. Yes, that was Old Testament, but it was commanded. And as we think of God, if we don't have reverence for God, we won't have reverence. If we don't have reverence for God, we won't regard Sunday as we ought. The Lord's Day. Now, that's been an issue lately. Reverence for God. Do we honor His day? Or do we honor ourselves? Is God's day a holy day or a holiday? Is it a holy day or a day that I can do my things? God is worthy of reverence. He is worthy of that. We aren't. God is. Now it does say in Ephesians that the wife is to reverence her husband as to show respect. But yet it's a little different level than what we are to show respect and reverence to God. There's a song. It was in the Mennonite hymn. I wasn't sure which book you all had here. And I think it's a similar song, but I like the wording of this one a little better. God himself is with us. God himself is with us. Let us all adore him and with all appear before him. God is here within us. Soul in silence, fear him. Humbly, fervently draw near him. 
Now his own we have known, God in worship lowly. Yield their spirits holy. It's a song asking God to come and live and dwell within us. And certainly he does that. Come abide within me. Let my soul like Mary be thine earthly sanctuary. Come in dwelling spirit with transfigured splendor. Love and honor will I render. Where I go here below, let me bow before thee. Know thee and adore thee. Do we bow before him? Do we realize God can do whatever he wants in our lives? What about in our worship services? How do we come before a holy God? How do we come before him? How are we dressed? You know, it's interesting. Usually when i talking about dress, you know, I just make this comment. The way we dress can have a big influence on how we worship. If you don't believe it, um, you know, sometimes, well, quite often when I go to Lowe's, I'm usually working there on the farm, I need something, and so I go to Lowe's, and I might work clothes. It makes you feel a little different than if you go in your suit. I've done that already. It just makes you feel different. And I can't help but imagine that it's the same way in our worship services. We need to come before him with respect and honor and reverence. What about during the worship service? Maybe I'm preaching to the choir here. But what do we do during the service? Do we pay attention? Do we hear what's being said? It's kind of ironic. I preached on hearing this morning. What are we hearing? How do we hear? The songs we sing, are we singing the right songs? Do we try to avoid distractions? You know, it's amazing. For myself, I can sit in a tree stand for three hours without moving. But I have trouble sitting in a church service for two hours. If it's more than an hour, I get a little fidgety. Are we making the atmosphere conducive to worship? And maybe we're doing all of that. And yet our minds are 10 miles from here. You ever have that happen? Or 20 miles from here, or whatever. Can we capture our minds to worship? Reverence for God must be taught to our children. Do we teach our children? They're not gonna just know it automatically. It's amazing how much they do learn. We have a three-year-old granddaughter that I can't believe what she knows and what she does. These things must be taught. Does the building of the church grounds become a gymnasium? I see this. 
And it's not just the children. It's, it's amazing how many adults, and I want to be careful here, but how long can you go without a bottle of water? As Moses was leading the children of Israel, he come to Mount Sinai. The children of Israel were camped there. He set bounds. We need to set bounds. It's kind of ironic as we look at the children of Israel. Maybe we'll just turn to that. Go to Exodus 5. This was Moses' request to Pharaoh on worship. And this is the basis for worshiping on the Sabbath. I know that was Old Testament. It says, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast unto me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I know not the Lord, neither will I let Israel go. And they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Let us go, we pray thee, three days journey into the desert and sacrifice unto the Lord our God, lest he fall upon us with pestilence or with the sword. Did Moses fear God? He said, Lest these things come upon me, come upon us. And the king of Egypt said unto them, Wherefore do ye, Moses and Aaron, let the people from their works Get you unto your burdens. And Pharaoh said, Behold, the people of the land now are many, and ye make them rest from their burdens. Pharaoh was basically saying, You want to rest? Get to work. They were requesting to go worship. Three days' journey. And if you look into this, more than likely, the reason they couldn't worship there was because they didn't have the, the sacrifices. In other words, the animals that they had there were sacred. Three days journey. Go to India and try to open up a meat shop once. See what happens in today's world. Some of these countries. Moses feared God. Moses had that reverential awe. When you make plans, do you consider God? Go to James chapter 4. Most of us probably have plans for tomorrow. We have plans to have revivals this week. That could change. We don't know. James 4, we have some instruction here. Verses uh, 13 through 15. He says, Go to now, ye that say today or tomorrow, we will go into such a city and continue there a year, and buy and sell and get gain, whereas ye know not what shall be on the morrow. For what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this or that. If the Lord will. That was a phrase my mother would often say. Lord willing. Lord willing. And I think we need to understand that. And we need to say that. 
Because we don't know. Go to Hebrews 12, verses 28 and 29, the last two verses of the chapter. It says, Wherefore we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. For our God is a consuming fire. We may serve him acceptably with reverence and godly fear. We have both words here together. There's another song in here I'd like to read the words to. It's Eternal Father went to thee. Eternal Father went to thee. Beyond all worlds by faith I soar. Before thy boundless majesty I stand in silence and adore. But Savior, thou art by my side, thy voice I hear, thy face I see. Thou art my friend, my daily guide, God over all, yet God with me. As we think of reverence for God, you know, some people have that picture of God as somebody standing there ready to strike him with a stick. That's not God. God is a just God. God is a God of love and mercy. Yes, he is a God of judgment. But God is our friend. He is there with us. He is a father to us. We can trust him. We need to have that reverence for him. I trust that as we live our lives, we can have that reverence for him because he is the one that controls everything. 